So we're going to move into our message this morning. This morning we have Pastor Ron is going to preach for us via video. He's preaching on prayer this morning. But I got a couple one-liner jokes here that I want to share before we move into that. And so the first one says, why was six afraid of nine on New Year's Eve? Because nine eight seven. <laughs> the countdown, right? If it went over your head. Why did the man sprinkle sugar on his pillow on New Year's Eve? He wanted to start the year with sweet dreams. Ah, I know they're dry. <laughs> <laughs> but I still get a good chuckle, right? And you get a chuckle at me laughing at the dry jokes. So there we go. It's all humor and fun. So this morning we're going to welcome Pastor Ron. We're hoping to have him in person sometime in the near future. But for this morning, he's joining us via video, speaking on prayer. So let's tune in this morning and listen to what he has to say to us and allow the Holy Spirit to speak to us through it. What do you believe about prayer? Some people believe that prayer is just a meaningless exercise, that God is sovereign and all-powerful, and he's going to do whatever he wants to do with or without our prayer. Some people believe prayer is just a religious exercise. It simply makes the person praying feel better, more spiritual. But the Bible tells us Prayer is a very powerful exercise. It not only changes the person who's praying, it changes the people being prayed for and circumstance and situations. One of my favorite stories about prayer is the bar owner versus the church. It's actually uh, supposed to be a true story, and it happened in somewhere in the Midwest states. There was a guy who wanted to open up a bar, a tavern, an alcoholic place next to a church building. The church was really upset about it, so they appealed to him and said, look, we don't want this next to our church building. We don't want the loud music, the fighting, and all the stuff that goes along with that. Can you have it somewhere else? He wouldn't listen to them. So then they started to write letters. Then they wrote a petition. Nothing. No avail. This guy built his bar right beside the church building. So in desperation, the church decided they'd pray. They had a prayer meeting. They prayed, God, would you somehow shut this down and move it someplace else? Well, a few weeks after the prayer meeting, there was a thunderstorm. Lightning struck the bar and it burned to the ground. The church was shocked and delighted. The bar owner was furious, and he was really furious when he found out they had had a prayer meeting about it. So he took them to court and slapped a lawsuit on them. And the arguments went back and forth. The bar owner insisted these people prayed. God heard their prayer answered, and he struck my bar with lightning. The church kind of shrugged and said it was a lightning storm. Anyhow, back and forth, back and forth. Finally, the judge dismissed the case with this summary statement. He said, wherever the fault may lie, one thing is for sure. The bar owner clearly believes in the power of prayer, whereas the church does not. But we do believe in the power of prayer. When we pray, something always happens. Why don't you turn to your neighbor and say, when we pray, something always happens. 
John Wesley, the famous Methodist preacher, said this, a very powerful statement about prayer. God does nothing but in answer to prayer. Let's turn to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. Remember, 1 Thessalonians 4 and 5, the Apostle Paul is teaching the young Thessalonian church about the second coming of Christ. And everything that follows, verse 11 in the fifth chapter, is all about how we live in preparation and readiness for Christ's return. In fact, a lot of the New Testament is all about how we live in readiness and preparation for Jesus coming back. We're going to look at one verse, just three words today. Verse 17. Pray without ceasing. Let's read that together. Pray without ceasing. And I'm going to do that right now. Lord, we thank you for your word this morning. And Lord, we especially thank you for the Holy Spirit who makes the word of God come alive. And we ask today that you will infuse us, empower us, Everyone who listens to this, we ask that there would be an empowering to pray in a new way for your glory and honor. Amen. Pray without ceasing. This little phrase, without ceasing, is one Greek word in the original language. And it means this, without intermission, incessantly, continual. And then verse 18 says this, this is the will of God for you in Christ Jesus. This same little phrase is used two other times in Thessalonians. In chapter 3, verse 1, it says, we pray most earnestly without ceasing night and day. And then in chapter 1, verse 2, it says, constantly without ceasing mentioning you in our prayers. In Acts chapter 10 and verse 2, the Bible says Cornelius was a devout man who feared God and prayed continually to God. And then Jesus himself says in Luke 21 verse 36, but stay awake at all times praying. What does that mean? Pray without ceasing. Pray continually. Pray always. Pray constantly. Pray at all times. Well, first, let me tell you what pray without ceasing does not mean. It does not mean non-stop muttering. That would be impossible or at least very awkward. My pastor and mentor, Barney, and I went to Uganda a number of years ago. And we were staying in this pastor's house. And when we got into bed that night, just after we turned out the light, Barney was in a bed there and I was in a bed there in this little room. As soon as we turned out the light, there was an earthquake. I thought, dear Jesus, you're coming back and I'm in Uganda. Well, he wasn't coming back. The earthquake settled down. We had peace. But I was a little freaked out. So I started to pray in tongues, muttering under my voice, nonstop. After about an hour, Barney rolls over. He says, Ron, are you praying in tongues? I said, yes. He said, could you stop it? I can't get to sleep. Non-stop muttering is awkward at the least. 
You can't sleep. You can't talk. You can't eat. Even Jesus didn't do this. We see Jesus slept. He ate. He talked. He laughed. He, had, he did other things. So pray without ceasing cannot mean non-stop muttering. And it also can't mean a new agey kind of nonsense that says every breath is a prayer. Sort of the Christian alternative to Buddhist prayer flags that flap in the wind and prayer wheels that spin. It can't mean that because Jesus taught us how to pray. He said, when you pray, say. So it can't mean this Every breath I take is a prayer. And pray without ceasing cannot mean some ethereal spirituality. Like my spirit's praying all the time. My body and soul are over here living life, but my spirit's praying. No, it can't mean that because the Bible teaches that our spirit, soul, and bodies are integrated. We're whole people, holistic people. So what does pray without ceasing mean? It means constantly recurring prayer. Like an incessant cough. <coughs> an incessant cough is not always coughing all the time. <coughs> Try it. You can't breathe after a few seconds. But what it is is you keep coming back to coughing. And that's what this is saying. We keep coming back to prayer, returning to prayer. And many of us understand this because we are incessantly on our phones. We are without ceasing on social media, on WeChat, WhatsApp, TikTok, Twitter, YouTube, Instagram. Not that we're on it every second of every minute of every hour of but we keep coming back to it 10, 20, 30, 40 times a day, every few minutes. And if you have notification on your phone, every time it dings, what do you do? Boom, you're back at your phone. That's what this is talking about. Praying without ceasing is to, we return to prayer regularly. We keep coming back to prayer we see this in the life of Jesus. Jesus had a regular, concentrated time alone with God every day. He would get up early. He would stay up late. Sometimes he stayed all through the night praying. He would go up a mountain to pray, into the wilderness to pray. He had a regular, concentrated time with the Lord. And then he engaged God throughout the day. He would keep coming to God, seeing what God was doing. Hearing what God was saying, cooperating with what he saw his heavenly father doing. Jesus was always in touch with his heavenly father. Praying without ceasing means constantly returning to prayer. Being God aware. Being God conscious throughout the day. Engaging with God repeatedly and often. And then verse 18 says, this is the will of God for you in Christ Jesus. Why is this the will of God? Why is it so important to God that we are constantly returning to prayer and engaging with him throughout the day? Well, Psalm 50 verse 15 tells us. It's God talking and God says this. Call upon me 
in the day of trouble. I will rescue or deliver you and you shall glorify me. That little verse sums up the theology of prayer. We get all the help we need and he gets all the glory. Prayer ensures God is glorified and we are helped. Another of my favorite stories when it comes to prayer is from a precious little book called 70 Years of Miracles, an autobiography of Richard Harvey, who was a Christian Missionary Alliance. He passed away about 10 or 12 years ago. But in it, there's this famous story of the glass flask miracle. Richard Harvey went to college, and every first-year student in that college had to take Dr. Lee's first-year chemistry course every freshman on the campus. And Dr. Lee was infamous because for three lectures of that course, every year to every freshman on that campus, Dr. Lee would debunk prayer. He was an atheist. He didn't believe in God. He didn't believe in prayer. He didn't believe that prayer was a waste of time and it was useless. And so he spent three lectures, every first-year student trying to convince them not to pray. Well, Richard Harvey was a committed follower of Jesus, and he believed in the power of prayer. And when he heard about this, he was disturbed, and he felt God speak to him and say, I want you to take up this challenge. Because at the end of every, uh, or the third lecture, Dr. Lee would issue the glass flask challenge. And he would hold a glass flask out at arm's length. He would challenge anybody in the room to pray that it wouldn't break when it hit the floor. And then he would let it go. And of course, in all the years he did these lectures, nobody ever took up the challenge until Richard Harvey's year. And Richard Harvey was disturbed about this. He felt God speak to him, wanting him to take up this challenge. So he found another committed follower of Jesus, and they agreed in prayer that God would do something miraculous when he took up this challenge. Well, the third day, the lecture day came, the third lecture, and at the end of the lecture, Dr. Lee issued his famous challenge. Is there anybody here who still believes in the power of prayer? The lecture theater was silent. And then Richard Harvey stood up. He said, yes, Dr. Lee, I do. The lecture theater gasped. Dr. Lee was shocked. He said, you still believe in prayer? He said, yes. Yeah. He said, You're, are you going to take up the glass fast challenge? He said, yes, sir, I am. Well, he said, I can't believe this. He was thrilled. He said, all right. He said, now, sarcastically, class, lecture theater, all there were probably hundreds of students in there. He said, we are going to bow our heads as this young man prays. So Richard Harvey prayed a very simple prayer. He said, Lord Jesus, I believe you are the God who hears and answers prayer. Please don't let this glass flask break for your name and for your glory. Amen. There were no windows in that lecture theater, and there were no open doors. But when Dr. Lee dropped the glass flask, it arced in the air, came down, landed on his foot, and rolled onto the floor unbroken. The lecture theater went crazy. Dr. Lee went silent, and never again 
did Dr. Lee ever do his three lectures debunking prayer? When we pray unceasingly, we will never cease to be amazed. So what are our struggles when it comes to prayer? What are the things that get in the way of us praying without ceasing? The first one is, you might say, well, I don't know how to pray. I don't know what to say or what to do. And if you have no language, you have no, no conversation. That's no problem. Because prayer is a skill to be learned. And the first language everybody has is heart language. We can just pray what's on our heart. Are you anxious? Tell the Lord. Are you joyful? Tell the Lord. That's the easiest language to learn because we all have it. The second language which is easy to learn is praying God's word. The whole book of Psalms are all prayers. The New Testament letters are full of prayers and we can actually use God's word to pray. Do you lack language? You can pray about everything in your life. Everything you can talk to God about. Because God is a person and he's always with you. And if you don't know that this morning, if you're watching online and you don't know God is always with you, if there's never been a definitive moment when you have said yes to Jesus, we're going to give you an opportunity to do that before we end today. Well, the second struggle that you may be able to relate to when it comes to prayer is, I lack discipline. I find time to watch Netflix and go on social media and do all kinds of things, but not pray. I'm easily distracted by so many things. No problem. Prayer is a habit to be cultivated, a discipline to be developed. And one of the best ways we can develop a discipline is by scheduling a concentrated time. Jesus said in Matthew 6 verse 5, when you pray. Jesus was saying schedule a time and it doesn't have to be a long time. It can be 10 or 15 minutes where you just study the Bible, write in your journal, pray, tell God what's on your heart, listen to what God's saying to you. We also have another help for discipline, and that's our Hearing God course. And our Gateway 200, both these equipping courses help us meet with God. And we have a third way you can develop discipline in prayer. Every weekday at 7 a.m. and 12.30, we have a half-hour prayer meeting. It's the easiest way to pray in all the years we've been praying at Gateway, you just go on the website, click on the Zoom link, two links, two clicks, and you're in the prayer meeting. It lasts a half an hour, and then it's gone. It's a wonderful way to begin to develop a discipline, and there's other people there to help you and encourage you. Well, maybe your struggle is when it comes to prayer, you're bored. I don't enjoy praying, you might say. I find it dry and draining, and I avoid it. No problem. This is a very common deterrent to prayer, especially for pastors. You know, pastors can pray some of the most lofty prayers because we, we do this all the time. We can be praying a prayer out here, but our heart is somewhere else. Prayer can become just a religious exercise. 
Jesus said this in Matthew 6 verse 7. He said, when you pray, don't heap up for yourselves empty phrases. You will not be heard for your many words. Our problem is, if we're bored with prayer, we're not meeting with God. When we meet with God, it changes everything. How can you meet with the most fascinating person in the universe and talk about the things that are most important to you and be bored? It's impossible. If we're bored, the problem is we've lost the presence of God in prayer. Maybe there's unconfessed sin in our lives. And when there's unconfessed sin, we lose communion with God and we'll cease to pray. Maybe we think God doesn't like us or God is not hear us or he's not interested in us or he's not powerful enough. We, if that's our experience, we will cease to pray. But when we practice the presence of God, when we practice and cultivate God awareness, God consciousness, everything changes. How do we do that? How do we practice the presence of God? By welcoming and waiting. Isaiah 46 says, be still and know that I am God. And Psalm 37 verse 7 says, be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. We can invite the Holy Spirit, welcome the Holy Spirit every day to fill us afresh. And we can welcome the Holy Spirit to come upon us and wait for him. And we're going to do that when we end today. I am going to invite the Holy Spirit to come. And we're going to let the presence of God settle upon us. You know, after six years of being here at Gateway, I was empty. I had nothing more to give. I'd given everything I knew how to give. At the end of six years, I thought, I'm done. I, I, I just don't have anything more to give. And I ended up going to the first Signs and Wonders conference in Vancouver by John Wimber. And John Wimber taught several sessions a day. And after every session, he would say, okay, let's stand and let's get in the receiving position. And he would invite the Holy Spirit to come. The first session, I felt this beautiful peace come on me. And I started to sway back and forth. And I thought, what's happening to me? But it felt good. And then I realized the longer this went on, this was the presence of God. And it got stronger and stronger and stronger. And, and, and near the end of the week, I was feeling such a powerful presence of God. It felt like electricity going up and down my arms and my head and my face. And, my, and God's presence was resting on me and restoring me. I came back a transformed person. And if you're bored with prayer, what you need is the presence of God, welcoming and waiting on his Holy Spirit. Well, maybe your struggle is, I forget to pray. I don't think to pray. My first inclination is to stress and worry and fret about something rather than praying. I'm just trying to figure out how to fix things. No problem. Well, 
Actually, that is a problem. The problem is independence. You take control of the situation and try and solve it yourself. You leave God out. You were never created to live independently from God. Prayer is an expression of dependence on God and delight in God. When we don't pray, we're saying, I can handle this, God. I'll take care of it myself. But God, the Holy Spirit, who lives within us, is the helper. And he's with us moment by moment by moment to help us with everything in life, including prayer, because he's the spirit of prayer. And his sole purpose is to aid us in whatever we need. Romans 8, verse 26 and 27 says this, Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weaknesses, for we don't know what to pray as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches the heart knows what the mind of the Spirit is, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. Receive the Holy Spirit's help. If you don't know how to pray, ask him. He'll show you. If you don't want to pray, he'll make you willing to pray. Ask him. If you forget to pray, he'll remind you. Ask him. And praying in tongues is one of the greatest gifts of the Holy Spirit to aid us in prayer. And praying in tongues isn't meant to be a hand grenade that explodes in one second. It's meant to be prayed over a period of minutes or even hours. And praying in tongues is the only gift that edifies the one who is using it. And we can listen in prayer. We can ask the Holy Spirit, what do you want me to pray about? Praying without ceasing is praying repeatedly and often. And we have the Holy Spirit, our helper, the spirit of prayer living within us to aid us in that. It's best summed up in that old song we just sang. What a friend we have in Jesus. Oh, what peace we often forfeit, fretting and worrying and stressing. Oh, what needless pain we bear because we do not carry everything to God in prayer. And lastly, another struggle when it comes to prayer is, I don't get answers. I prayed, but my prayer didn't get answered. In fact, things may have gotten worse. I was so disappointed, I just gave up and quit. Maybe, maybe that's your problem, and that is a problem. The first problem is, you didn't think God answered your prayers. God always answers our prayers always and he answers in one of four ways yes no not yet or I have something better and the second problem is you quit praying Praying without ceasing means persevering in prayer. Jesus said this in Luke 18, verse 1. He said, uh, 
always pray or pray at all times and not lose heart or quit. And the reason we persevere in prayer is because God wants to answer your prayers. Jeremiah 33 verse 3, God himself says this, Call to me and I will answer you and tell you great and mighty things that you do not know. Call. I will answer you. Jesus said this in in Luke 11. Jesus tells the story, a parable about persevering prayer. He talks about a friend who comes at midnight to a neighbor and asks for three loaves of bread. And you know what the neighbor says? You remember the story? The neighbor says, no, I'm in bed with my kids. Go away. I don't want to give you that. I don't want to give you anything. And Jesus was grossly exaggerating this parable because no one would ever do that. But the guy kept on knocking. Jesus says that even if the neighbor won't answer him because he's his friend, he will do it because of his impudence, his audacity, his shamelessness, both the shamelessness of the guy being asked and the shamelessness of the one asking. And then Jesus says this, I tell you, ask and keep on asking. It will be given to you. Seek and keep on seeking. Knock and keep on knocking. The door will be open to you. And then he says this, what father among you if his son asks, son asks for, he actually asks for a fish, but bread would work as well. He said, What's, what father, if his son asks for a fish, will give him a serpent? If he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If, if you then, who are evil, Know how to give good gifts to your children. And here's, here's the, end, the answer. How much more will your heavenly father give the greatest gift ever? The Holy Spirit, the spirit of prayer. Jesus said, pray with persistence. Pray with perseverance. Pray unceasingly because God wants to answer your prayers. For years, Mary and I lived beside our dear friends, Darcy and Reinhardt Neufeld. In fact, Reinhardt built our house and his house right next to each other. And our eldest daughters, Jenny and Rebecca, were best friends. And so we were very sad when we found out they were going to be moving. So Mary and I started praying for the people who would move in next door. We were, our bedrooms were, because we're, they, were, they were the same house, our bedrooms, windows faced each other. And Mary and I would pray regularly for the people coming in. Lord, would you bring someone who will be hungry and thirsty for the things of God, someone who isn't a Christian yet, that we can lead to Christ. And we prayed his kingdom come, his will be done, like Jesus taught us to pray in Matthew 6. Well, 
A nice little family from Buffalo Point ended up moving in. They had a four-year-old son, and the, and the little son used to pr- play with our girls. They were a lovely family. We got to know them, really nice people. We grew to love them, uh, but they weren't Christians. They weren't committed followers of Jesus, and in fact... The wife came from a Ukrainian Catholic background and she wondered why the priest next door had a wife and kids. Anyway, we, 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 we invited them to church after a while. They came to church. They didn't like it. It was weird and it was way too long. So we just continued to love them and pray for them. Seven years we prayed for them. And there were other people praying for them. So their family members were praying for them well. After seven years, the wife's life crashed and she didn't know what to do. She thought, you know, Mary knows God and, and maybe she can help me. So she came over one day. She rang the bell. Mary opened the door and there was Susan Zilke. And Susan Zilke said this, I could really use someone to talk to. And then she burst into tears and fell into Mary's arms. They went upstairs and for a couple of hours, they sat at our kitchen table as Susan poured out her heart and Mary shared the gospel with her. And at the end of that time, Susan received Christ. And a miracle happened in her life. She was transformed right there. She felt the love and peace of God. Her whole perspective changed in a matter of moments. And then she became a teacher in our school. And then she became the principal of our school. And Susan is an amazing leader in our church and in our school today. The reason we persevere in prayer is because God wants to answer. Martin Luther, the famous reformer, said this, prayer is not overcoming God's reluctance, but laying hold of God's willingness. When we pray unceasingly, we will never cease to be amazed. Let's stand together. I promised earlier that I was going to give you an opportunity if there's never been a definitive moment in your life to say yes to Jesus. And whether you're here in the room this morning in person or whether you're online, I'm going to give you an opportunity to say yes to Jesus now. We're going to pray a simple prayer. There's nothing magical about these words. But when they come from the heart, when they're sincere, and you're, you're speaking out of your heart language, God does a miracle. And he's going to do that today. I'm going to pray a line out loud. I'm inviting you to pray that same line out loud. It's just a simple prayer saying I've been separated from God by my own sin and independence. And I am going to surrender my life to Jesus. Would you come and fill me with your Holy Spirit? And he'll answer that prayer. Let's pray together. And I'm going to invite all of you to join with me as we pray this. So let's pray together. Lord Jesus Christ. 
I'm sorry for the things I've done wrong in my life. Please forgive me. I now turn from everything I know is wrong. Thank you for dying on the cross for me so that I could be forgiven and set free. Thank you for offering me forgiveness and the gift of your spirit. I now receive your gift. Jesus, come into my life by your Holy Spirit and be with me forever. Amen. Hey, we hope you enjoyed the message today. We trust you will have a fantastic week. And remember, Jesus loves you, and so do we.